The following is a discussion regarding primary water uh, under the earth in the um, uh, superficial mantle. Scientists believe they've found evidence of a potential ocean beneath our home planet's crust. The study from researchers at Northwestern University and the University of New Mexico have concluded the body of water rests about 400 miles underneath Earth's crust and is so large it can fill all our oceans three times over. Their research, however, indicates the water is not in the typical liquid, ice, or vapor forms, but instead is trapped in mantle rock containing a blue mineral called ringwoodite. Ringwoodite has a structure similar to crystal that acts like a sponge to trap liquid and pull in hydrogen. Ringwoodite have been posed as one of the major minerals in the deep earth for the past 50 years, but no one had ever held a piece of ringwoodite in their hand that had come from those depths to be able to prove that that's the case. Thus far, only one small piece of ringwoodite has been brought to Earth's surface from 400 miles underground by volcanic activity and was found to contain water in solid form. The researchers combined lab experiments on mantle rock under high pressure with seismic data measuring U.S. earthquakes to reach their conclusions. The discovery is an important one, as it will help scientists learn how the Earth formed and its current composition. Northwestern geophysicist Steve Jacobson, who is a co-author of the study, commented, I think we're finally seeing evidence for a whole Earth water cycle, which may help explain the vast amount of liquid water on the surface of our habitable planet. Scientists have been looking for this missing deep water for decades. By the... We're now going to uh, go to uh, listen to Dr. Steve Jacobson uh, talking about the uh, issues. 0.5 billion year old planet. And uh, Harry Srinivasan. That actually encircles the entire Earth that you have never heard of, and it might have as much water as all the oceans in the world have <coughs> today. Sound pretty amazing? Well, Scientists have been working on this for the past couple of months. There have been a couple of big research findings. One of them just happened a few days ago, and I'm joined now by Steve Jacobson, or Stephen Jacobson, the Department of Earth and Planetary Science at Northwestern University. Um, you found something 400 to 700 kilometers below the Earth that could be water? Explain. Sure. So uh, let me put the depth in context first. 400 uh, to 600 kilometers depth in the Earth is far deeper than ever been able to drill. I think the deepest hole ever drilled in the crust is probably around 10 kilometers depth, or maybe about six miles. So in order to study this very remote region of the Earth, we rely on two different, different avenues of, of research. One involves laboratory experiments, uh, wherein we compress rocks and minerals to very high pressures and keep them to high temperatures to try to explore how they, their, their properties. And the other um, way in which we can study the remote interior is by using earthquake waves or seismic waves. And so I'm going to put up, put up a, a map here, so to speak, so that people understand where we're talking about. When you say the outer core and the crust and so forth, I mean, we are living on the top teensy, weensy, tiny little bit of this. So this is what you're talking about. This is 600. 400 kilometers down is this little blue line, right? That's right. So the blue line represents a layer uh, of, the, of the mantle, the solid, rocky mantle that we call the transition zone. And it, you could think of it as a transition between what we call the upper mantle and the lower mantle. 
Um, the, the, the image here is really neat, I think, because it actually is fairly to scale. That is, the crust of the Earth that we live on is, is, would be similar in, in scale to the, the skin on an apple. So this thin blue line, this is about, I don't know, let's say if it's on this apple analogy, about a centimeter or two below, but how do we know that there's any water in there? Okay, so that's what, uh, what I've been working on over the past uh, couple of decades, actually. Um, I, I might go back all the way to the late 1980s when a professor of geological sciences at the University of Colorado by the name of Joe Smith was uh, looking at mineral structures that exist that we presume exist deep in the earth, one particular mineral uh, which we call ringwoodite. And he recognized in the atomic structure of those minerals, he predicted an ability for those minerals to absorb hydrogen atoms, uh, that is, an as part of their crystal structure. So this would be a mechanism by which high pressure minerals in the mantle could absorb the components of water. So you're looking at a picture of this ringwoodite. This is one of the very few uh, elements of ringwoodite ever pulled out of the earth. But uh, tell me, like, so you're talking about water that's in this rock, but not in the type of form that we drink, but really just in its molecular form. That's right. So in my laboratory experiments, what I will do is I will compress rocks and minerals to very high pressures and temperatures and react them with water. And then I examine a couple of things. One. I tried to ascertain how much water was put into the rock, absorbed by the rock. And secondly, I tried to determine how that hydration affects the rock's physical properties. Because it's those physical properties which allowed us to detect this hydration layer using seismic waves. Okay, so I've got a picture here of uh, the, this is what you call the US array. And this is what we're talking about all the different seismology machines all over the United States, and, and you can measure right. it down? And this, yeah, that's right. In, in this image, what we're looking at is a uh, schematic map, if you will, of the location of all of the seismometers that are part of an NSF-sponsored uh, program called Earthscope. And this is called the US Array. And with this very dense array of seismometers, over the past decade, we've been able to capture a more detailed image of the Earth's interior than ever before. Okay, so using all that, and then using, you said you can also recreate what's happening 600 kilometers below yeah. in your own lab. How do you do that? Well, one way that we can generate high pressures in the laboratory is actually using diamond itself. Diamond is the hardest known substance, and by um, positioning two brilliant cut diamonds. This is not an actual diamond, but this is a piece of glass cut to look like a diamond. And you'll notice that it has a large flat back, and then it comes to a point. And what I'm doing is putting two of these points together with my sample in between the diamonds and driving them together inside of a press. Now the diamonds are transparent. So what we're looking at here are two of the gem anvils um, pointed at one another. But because the diamonds are transparent, I can watch inside of the cell and study the reactions, the chemical reactions going on 
at high pressures and high temperatures. So in between those two diamonds is that ringwoodite that we were looking at, and then we have another picture here of what that would look like with the sort of special cameras with all the pressure underneath it. Is so what are we looking at here? This is kind of like a camera looking in through the diamonds as it it presses. That's exactly right. So the the the, the circular hole is a, a little sample chamber inside of the diamond anvil cell. The blue colored um, object is a crystal uh, ringwoodite that I synthesized in the laboratory. Now that ringwoodite that you're looking at is at a pressure equivalent to 700 kilometers depth in this in this picture. And the ringwoodite has about the same amount of water in it, around 1%, as the ringwoodite discovered by Graham Pearson at the University of Alberta. So his discovery was really remarkable in two ways. One, it was actually the first ringwoodite that we'd ever recovered from the Earth's deep mantle. And two, he found that that ringwoodite was full of water. And by full, I mean that one weight percent of H2O is about the maximum amount of water that we can put into ringwoodite. But, but, but Graham Pearson's diamond inclusion told us something about the composition of the mantle only in one point, right? Because this little diamond inclusion just told us one location of the mantle is probably full of water. And what Brandon Schmant uh, from the University of New Mexico and I have done is to address the question of how expansive this hydration layer might be in the mantle. So the, the image that you just showed of the ringwoodite crystal in my, there's a picture of Brandon. He's uh, a co-author that you authored the paper with, right? He couldn't join us today, but he's at the University of New Mexico. He's an assistant professor of geophysics. That's right. So, so what I found in this experiment where we compressed ringwoodite to conditions of 700 kilometers depth, when we pushed the conditions a little higher or a little deeper into the earth, the ringwoodite lost its water. And what happens when it, this is called dehydration, and the release of that water caused melting of the rock, the surrounding rock. So this is what we mean by dehydration melting. It's actually a process that occurs in the very shallow mantle, where in plate tectonics, plates uh, where where the tectonic plates come together, sometimes one plate will dive down underneath another. This is called subduction. And in subduction zones, hydrous minerals are taken down into the mantle. Hydrous minerals like clays and sediments and um, and hydrothermally altered crust. Now those minerals don't survive very deep in the mantle. Within the upper 100 or so kilometers of the mantle, they break down, and when they break down, they form melt. That's dehydration melt, a very shallow mantle. And that magma is actually the source of all the volcanoes that we see around the Ring of Fire, for example. And so this is basically a study where we're connecting that rock cycle to the water cycle. I mean, when we think of the water cycle, when we, you know, we're in high school biology or even elementary or middle school biology, we think of the water cycle as basically from where we are above us, right? So basically steam evaporates on a hot day, the water goes up into a cloud, it hits a mountain, it comes down, and then down a stream, down a river, into the ocean again. You're saying that there's actually a water cycle that's going on 300 miles below the Earth. Yes, so it occurs on a much longer time scale. Um, the ocean crust is formed at the mid-ocean ridges, and 
as it spreads away from that spreading center, it reacts with the ocean water to form a hydrothermal, hydrothermally altered rock that we call serpentinite. I, I have a piece of serpentinite right here. I might hold it up for just a moment. Now, now many of your viewers might, might recognize this type of rock because it's commonly used as a kitchen countertop stone. Um, it's green. Serpentinite, all right. And where does that come? How deep is that one? Well, this you can find in the crust, and it's, it's hydrothermally altered ocean crust, but, but this rock that I'm holding contains about 12.8% of water. So just a five-pound piece of serpentinite contains enough water inside of it, not liquid water, but the components of water, like an ingredient. One five-pound piece of this rock has enough water inside of it to, for a tall drink of water. And this is what's going down into the mantle. Now, we know most of that water comes back to the surface on a time scale of maybe hundreds of millions of years in the form of volcanoes. But what we didn't know was how deep in the Earth this water cycle connected to the rock cycle extended. And so by looking at higher and higher pressures, um, the, the minerals that occur at deeper depths of the Earth, we've discovered that you can actually a significant amount of H2O in those minerals as well. Ringwoodite in particular is one of these minerals that um, just has this remarkable ability to absorb uh, the components of water. Uh, you know, isn't it, isn't it incredibly hot deep and deeper and deeper into the earth? I mean, uh, this is kind of maybe a sort of a dumb science question, but I, I thought the water would eventually evaporate. So you're saying even at 300 miles below or 400 kilometers below, this rock can actually hold water down its molecular components and just, what, seal it from all of the heat and intense pressure around it? Yeah, that's right. I mean, if you could, uh, I, I might use an analogy in baking. If you want to bake a cake, uh, you would call on some ingredients like sugar and flour, but you would also use milk, perhaps, and milk is mostly water. And you would put this in the oven and heat it up to high temperature. And although you're going to lose some of the water during the baking process, much of the water uh, is broken down and forms the solid cake that you bring out of the oven. Um, now, if you were to, to melt that cake, of course, the water would come back out in the form of vapor. So rocks are the same way. We view them as being made up of ingredients, and those ingredients are things like magnesium oxide or silicon dioxide. But H2O is another very important ingredient, and, and that's because H2O has a very strong effect on the physical properties of rocks. And I, and I want to get back to just a second about what you mentioned about the very high temperatures of the deep mantle. The, the depth that Brandon and I were studying, around 700 kilometers depth, the, the pressures are very high, but the temperatures are also in excess of probably 1,500 degrees Celsius. But because the pressure is so high, it's very difficult to melt rocks at those conditions. So, so in fact, the, the, the rocks at that depth um, have melting temperatures which are much higher than the actual temperature of the mantle. And that's one of the remarkable things about the magma that we found beneath the United States. At that depth, we really there should be there's no obvious way, there's no obvious reason for there to be magma at 700 kilometers depth. Unless you invoke, unless you invoke water, and that's because water actually reduces the melting temperature of rocks. Okay, so 
and, you know, we've got a couple minutes left here before I have to go make a program. But um, what's the what's the bigger picture consequence of this? Is there? I mean, we're not going to stick straws 300 miles down and suck rocks out and then squeeze them and melt them to get a couple of drops of water. But um, what does this spur you to think about and other scientists to research? This this gets me thinking about um, the origin of Earth's water. You know, many people believe that the oceans and the atmosphere. Uh, came out of the interior in a process that we call degassing, that the water was original to the earth. Other people have thought that Earth's water came later in the form of, of comets. And this study, I think, points to the idea that water may have come out of the Earth's interior from the original rocks. Now, the ability for the mantle to contain more H2O equivalent than the oceans also suggests something about the equilibrium or the balance between the water and the oceans and the interior. Um, you know, might think of another analogy of a sponge. If you want to create an ocean or a little lake on top of a sponge, you would need to fill the sponge before you could support liquid water on top of the sponge. So if the properties of the mantle are as we, it looks like we're, we're finding, if, if the transition zone of the mantle can absorb at least as much, if not more, water than the oceans. Perhaps the mantle is buffering somehow the, the amount of liquid water in the oceans. And maybe it's a very fortunate thing for us, because if the water were not there, where else would it be? You know, the, um, the, uh, the Himalayas and the Alps might just stick up above the water line on the Earth's surface. So perhaps we're very fortunate that the transition zone is a sponge for, for water. Pretty amazing how it's all come together so far. All right, so Steve Jacobson, thank you very much, and thank your uh, colleague as well, Brandon, who couldn't make it today. But thanks for your time, and thanks uh, for nerding out with us and teaching us more about geophysics in 15 minutes. I paid attention. It's been a lot of fun to talk about Earth science on your show. Thanks again. All right, bye-bye. And now we are going to look at the next uh, article, which is I did an interview with Paul Power. Of what, what could become soon climate refugees from drought. Um, Paul? And again, obviously, the drought, this is done before the drought. This is Paul Power of the Primary Water Institute in Eureka, California. And he is. Uh, we're, a, we're not going to play the entire video. Probably one of the we won't play the entire video because it's available. It's an hour and three minutes. And I'll have the link up at uh, clayandiron.com, C L A Y A N D I R O N.com. Uh, and uh, this interview is very important. It uh, deals with Paul Power, who's been drilling uh, for roughly 60 years at the Primary Water Institute in Eureka, California, Northern California. And it's interesting, this was done uh, uh, a, about a, a year ago, uh, before the uh, drought started to end here with the massive amounts of water coming from the, they call it the Pineapple Express, bringing in water from the Pacific Ocean. So, um, but it means that fault lines um, around the country are actually a source of water. So I'll skip through parts of it here. Top gentleman in the world in history in terms of the understanding of primary water from deep in the earth uh, and the uh, technology and, and teaching people around the world, the oasis across Africa and Jordan and the Mideast for many thousands of years. In fact, who owned the water resources determined who was the king in the area and who actually controlled the that, uh, that would uh, certainly negate any of the migrations of the peoples yeah. Which suggests, not only suggests, but says that, well, yeah. not only does it come from down below, but it may be obtained from 
your mind with the concept of magma and water, because there's a contradiction here. But not really. We talked about this earlier. Scientific background, pretty old. Earlier this year, after five years of being out of service, they increased the power of the of the telescope and identified that this object is very real and is coming in. America tried to suppress the information, but the international groups of scientists released it. Now, this is information regarding the Atacama Large Millimeter Array, because it turns out the gravity waves from deep space can hit the unstable nuclei of ringwoodite and then release nascent oxygen and hydrogen to create water in the deep mantle. So the reason why the volcanism of all the inner planets is increasing is the gravity waves are making the unstable nuclei release nascent water uh, in the form of oxygen and hydrogen and uh, lowering the, the uh, melting point of rock. This is my thesis and uh, it's my theory uh, and there is some good evidence to support it but I'm looking for more evidence and challenges on it. At a moderate climate, it wasn't a, a, deep, a deep freeze like it is now. Yeah. And so what we're dealing with is there, there's major climatic changes to the planet. For example, some people predict that the passage of this dwarf star could precipitate an increase in um, cooling of the Earth, not freezing, not heating, but cooling of the Earth. Oh, I, I suspect that that's going to be the case. Right. And what they're, what they're predicting, of course, is we have a monitor cycle related to the lining up of Jupiter and uh, and um, Jupiter and Saturn, every uh, 180 years, the times two causes a cooling period called the Maunder Mini Ice Age. By the way, the Maunder Cooling Ice Age is now amplified by the effect of this dwarf star in the Oort cloud, 0.73 light years out. So there's some climatic push-pull occurring with the Maunder cycle uh, being challenged by this but gravity waves from deep space from this red dwarf star. Systems including human, animal, and Edge of France. He drove them to the large cities first. A show. Suspicion. Clean water. Uh, you know, okay, so you want to obtain results. You sure so I'm not going to use. Could absolutely turn that unlikely place. But not enough oxygen, obviously. In Arizona, is a series of lakes or red. Well, it's hard it's not locked nor in. in this is the best uh, picture that shows the primary water cycle, as you can follow here. It explains how uh, deep in the, in the mantle, the water is coming up through volcanism and earthquakes. And uh, uh, Paul, apparently earlier last uh, um, summer, was able to, in spring, uh, get a, um, a gusher at 2,000 gallons per, um, uh, per minute up at 6,000 feet up in the northern uh, California mountains. So <clears throat> if you know where to look, which he does, and you use the technology that primary water exists, uh, you can get tremendous amounts of water. It turns out that you usually follow fault lines, so where there's a lot of fault lines here in the western United States, uh, especially up in places like Oregon, there's lots of primary water deep in the mantle. Just drillers. No, I, I, I need all the data that's available from the specific site. I do have a... Now, Encinitas actually uh, did look for primary water over the last decade and a half, and uh, I'm not sure if Paul was involved directly with that, but uh, that's important. Um, this is a little video that was done by um, StopTheCrime.net, and... Uh, ...system that is on every roof. Is it... 
then uh, better to allow it to, to exit, to uh, reduce the force of that water against the... Now, what we're showing here is, uh, this is again is uh, Steve Jacobson, Director of Graduate Admissions, and uh, um, <clears throat> he went to a PhD, University of Colorado, Master in University of Colorado, BA, University of Colorado, and Steve Jacobson and his colleague, University of New Mexico, are the primary sources. Um, I've just recently also uh, purchased his book, uh, Dealing with Primary Water, which is extremely important because uh, the primary water changes are going to cause increased volcanism and earthquakes around the Earth as the uh, ringwoodite becomes more unstable. Um, and this is one of his papers, Comparison of Compressibility of Hydrous uh, Wadisolite and ringwoodite effective water and implications for detection of water in the transition zone. So this paper is available through his website links that at earth.northwestern.edu. Uh, you can actually look at this article yourself. So that's very important. I think that uh, we're going to be getting Steve Jacobson on to talk about primary water, and we'll be getting back on uh, Paul Power from the Primary Water Institute. And uh, uh, you know, I think it's important to understand that what's going on here is a very, very significant. And um, let's see if we can bring Paul back up in the pictures here at the beginning. Can you explain a little bit about the primary water cycle and where water comes from? Well, it, it, you know, I need to look it up also now where we are. I am not, uh, not yeah. on my computer. I went to go to with the top page, which is the primary water cycle. It shows mountains and it shows the mantle. Where? This is at primarywaterinstitute.org, primarywaterinstitute.org. Uh, this is very important information, uh, be, especially because as the Earth is being affected by deep space by both not only things like energy, like cosmic rays and x-rays, the uh, gravity waves are changing the coronosphere of the sun, so it's putting higher level UV, B, C, and D light. The sun is also quieter, but more likely to produce a coronal mass ejection, which can also affect the Earth, uh, knocking out things like power grids and uh, affecting the ground and uh, there's a higher amount of, of ultraviolet light getting through because the ozone layer is thinner primarily because the magnetic field is decreased and the oxygen is decreased at ground level from 21 to 19 percent worldwide so those things are having an effect on this cycle uh, uh, basically uh, water comes from nascent water from ringwoodite and ringwoodite is an unstable mineral that has pretty high water content um, and uh, if you can explain that, that cycle, this is separate from the normal hydrological cycle where clouds rain down and there's ocean water and it recycles that way. Primary water you know, doesn't have a deuterium or tritium. It's basically nascent oxygen and hydrogen are released from the ringwoodite rock uh, nuclei in the mantle. Um, and this, of course, is a source of water for the oasis across Africa and Jordan. And yeah, in fact, uh, Muammar Gaddafi was using British drilling machines and the British uh, and NATO actually bombed the drilling machines from Britain uh, trying to pretend they were rocket launchers when in fact they were primary drilling for primary water so 75% of the new water in Libya was primary water filling lakes, reservoirs and uh, behind the dam as well uh, that Muammar Gaddafi actually uh, believed that they had discovered the source of the primary water for all the oasis that allowed people to survive across North Africa and the Middle East. Because without primary water, there would be no water in these areas where there's no rain at all, basically, or almost none. So, very significant. Uh, we'll be having Paul Power on the program, and also uh, Steve Jacobson from the primary research at Northwestern University. 
Thank you for listening, and check out the Nutramedical Report program. Uh, this coming Monday, we will be having a lot of great guests on. Uh, we'll have uh, Jim Fetzer on hour number one. Um, Harley Schlanger will be back from Germany in hour number one on Tuesday. We'll be getting Lowell Ponte talking about uh, the latest in financial issues. Leo Lanzagami from Rome on the first hour on uh, Thursday. Gary Richard Arnold, our geopolitical analyst, on the first hour on Friday. And I'm a functional medicine doctor. I provide uh, free email consults to people regarding uh, application of living pathology or functional medicine to conquer their problems with advanced quantum diagnostics, uh, functional medicine uh, testing, imaging studies, genetic analysis, and organic intermediate metabolites and advanced immunology. So uh, do listen to the show. Uh, Monday to Friday, 10 to 1 Pacific, 12 to uh, 3 Central, and 1 to 4 Eastern. Monday to Friday, it's archived on our DeagleNetwork.com, Deagle-Network. And the website is Nutramedical, N-U-T-R-I-Medical.com. And um, I'll just bring you back to the main website here. This is our main website, and we have a number of specials on now. Our new true silver, the most powerful silver for antipathogenics, Allison Med, 200 milligrams more than Alamed, and at half the price, uh, brain power uh, for brain protection, Vinpocetine, Power C Plus, most powerful neutral vitamin C in the world. And of course, we have our technology here uh, for diagnostics, the QRMA and Metapathia for quantum diagnostics, the QRMA developed in China by Dr. Zhu, TSU, and the Metapathia by Dr. Nesterov and the Russian Space Agency for over the last 50 years uh, plus. And we have Nutra, we have Vitamin Mineral Max, our main vitamin. We're going to launch shortly Vitamin Mineral Mix, which is a cherry flavored powder for all ages. We have Green Tea Select uh, and uh, CardioVast capsules, our flagship heart formula. So uh, do check it out. We have lots of videos. You go to our Listen Live button, you can listen to Showcast. These are archives over here. Listen to the Nutramedical Report also online. Uh, you can also go to our Deagle Network for the shows, both audio and video, and they're searchable by topic or issue or uh, anything you want to search, you can put in the search box. You can listen by phone to it, 701-801-2263. Um, you can call into the show to live at 800-313-9443. And by the way, when we're doing a live stream broadcast, if you want to send your question, Nutramedical 1, N-U-T-R-I, medical number 1, I'll pick up the question and I can bring it on air. And uh, we may, we're going to start trying to also bring on guests so they actually can speak by Skype directly on our live TV broadcasts that are simulcast. Uh, this is the radio show uh, numbers for the Android and uh, phones, the, center, the iPhone and Android. Our YouTube channel, uh, Protocols for Functional Wellness. This goes to our live stream channel with all our uh, product and protocols. Vimeo HD channel, all different Vimeo HD channels. We have a pay-per-view for special uh, reports, uh, etc. Live stream channel for um, my special M MD videos and then the live stream Christian uh, world news ch analysis channel um, as well uh, as covering books and special interviews. Uh, most of these are all free except for the Vimeo HD uh, pay-per-view channel which is a very small number of special reports and special uh, videos from conferences etc. So um, all this information is free Take advantage of it if you want to have a, a question, um, 8, 8821288871, you can order 24-7, or you can do online if you go to our products page. We have, of course, a list of 
roughly 200 uh, nutraceuticals. Many of them I've designed. Nutrisilver, which I designed, NDMEs for amplifying mineral absorption to your body and your brain and your genes. Cardiovascular heart formula, lumen photon, infrared light therapy. Mountain Red Velvet, we're working on a new form called DR, or delayed, rele delayed release capsule form to uh, get it to your target cells for stem cell support. We have ozone therapy, home detox technology, and plasma air filter systems. These are quantum diagnostics, and we get 25% uh, off on all these technologies, plus six months to pay. Uh, Vibra Slim, the best vibrational exercise, about one-third of the price of a force plate. The Amazon Nutramedical Store is a link to products I recommend over at Amazon that I recommend that we do not carry. This is our ultra-liquid zeolite, the best non-ashwash zeolite in the Western world. We have the Dr. U book for uh, giving you some basic protocols and the understanding what functional medicine is about. Uh, BioCuff, this is the uh, arterial stiffness and blood pressure monitoring device, very excellent device. DNA telomere resonant frequencies, uh, we are expanding the number of frequencies. Our carrot bar gold business, which we recommend, and nutramedical donations, especially for vets or people who can't afford their programs. We have phone consultations for those who want to send medical records for medical legal or personal or complex medical uh, review, and I am a, a consultant reviewing cases in every specialty. Primary water, uh, pure water systems are 10% off if you use the code Nutramed. Uh, this is the uh, questions for the firing line. You can contact Michelle. Hyperbaric oxygen therapy, uh, excellent for healing and raising the energy level of cells and stimulating stem cells. Less CMF for radiation protection, measurement and protection from radio pollution in your home, uh, measuring ultraviolet light radiation outside, and, and the public radiation like Fukushima Daiichi. We'll be doing some new specials. I'll be on uh, with Red Beckman on the uh, uh, 9th of at, I think, around 6 p.m. Pacific time to 8 p.m. Pacific with Red Beckman and Dr. Kate. Uh, updating many shows I did with Jeff Rents, although most of those shows have been pulled. There's a few up on YouTube. You, if you pull up my name, I'm a uh, longtime member of the nuclear division of ACOM and a radiation expert on Fukushima Daiichi. Um, Preparewise Foods, our Ready Store, these are the best Mylar foods. Ready Store includes also especially uh, uh, prepper medical equipment, supplies, and training. So uh, do check it out. You will find uh, you'll be very pleased by all the free information and all the great service that we, I try to provide you to keep you well and on the minimum number of medications. Take care and take action.